Peter wrote, the Apostle Peter wrote in the letter that we're studying in chapter 1, verse 3, he says this towards the beginning. He says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us everything I need, you need, for life and godliness, and he does it through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He gives us what we need through a deepening, greater understanding of who he is and who we are to him. And how do I know who I am to him? I know who I am to him based on his promises. Isn't that true of identity and relationships? I gave my parents a hard time earlier, so let me give them a little bit of you know, gratitude. I knew who I was to my parents based on the promises that they made to me and kept to me. They made the promise that they would feed me. And I remember as a, as a preteen and a teenager in the neighborhood we lived, I loved bringing people over for dinner. And most of the time, you know, most of the time it wasn't announced. It was like, yeah, sure, my mom makes tons of food. You know what, everybody's welcome. And she found a way somehow to do it. But there were, there were times where they're like, hey, stop inviting the whole neighborhood over for dinner. You know, it's not our job to feed all those kids and stop, you know, I'd give stuff away that they bought for me and like, hey, what are you doing? So there, I, I, early on, I realized there was, there was something different between me and all the other kids in the neighborhood. I was their son. And how I knew that they loved me and that there, there was this relationship, who I was to them, was based on the promises they made to me and kept. When they didn't keep their promises, did I question? Oh, come on, I did, right? We all do it, like, that's not fair, you know, especially when you're a teenager. I learned as a parent, not as early as I should have, to not make promises to your kids. Hey, we're going to Disneyland and whatever, and I promise you, man, and, it, and maybe you don't even use the word promise, but you just communicate it. What is that kid here? This is a promise, right? We're, and if something happened where it didn't happen the way I said, I was a liar to my kids. You didn't keep your promise. There's something about understanding who we are to someone based upon the promise they've made and kept. Now, it's equally true when someone in our life makes a promise to us and they don't keep it. Does that also not communicate who you are to them? Yeah. So Peter says, we're in the, the book of this, we call Second Peter, his second letter. At the beginning he says, let me, let me just make something abundantly clear, and it really is the foundation for everything that we have studied as we walk through this and we come to the end of it today. His divine power, God's power has given, and I'm making it personal, has given me everything I need for this life. And not just to live life, but to live a godly life or a life that reflects godliness, his righteousness. Not only do I have everything I need to just survive in 2022 in Northern California, I have everything I need to live a faithful, godly life as a disciple of Jesus Christ in the circumstances that I'm in. You tracking with me? Because right now your head is filled with your circumstances, is it not? The challenges, the needs, the pain, the problems, the, the brokenness. You're like, hold on, hold on. We just had an election. Hold on, hold on. The economy, hold on, hold on. I just went to the doctor. Hold on. I just had a conversation with my spouse. I just, I've not had a conversation with my adult children. I, all that stuff comes flooding into our mind. Well, here's, here's what is so relevant about God's truth. It doesn't change. 
he's speaking through a man in the first century who was telling the, his audience that you, I know that you live in, in this part of the world under the rule of Rome and nothing is the way that you want it to be. And yet, the truth is, you have everything you need, not just to survive, but to live a godly life in your day, in your time, in your circumstances. Is that still true today? It is. You see, we, we, get a, we get a clearer picture. I get an, a deeper understanding of who I am to Jesus when I read that he has made promises to me. He has given me everything that I need to live this life the way he's called me to live it. And he's done it through a deepening and greater knowledge and understanding of who he is. It's why right now we're, we're, we're reading from God's word. We're opening up the Bible and we're studying it. Why? Because as we are spoken to by God and we have a clearer picture of who God is, what his plan is. You questioning his plan this morning? I told so, I've told more than one person this morning, I don't understand God's heart or his mind. His ways are not my ways. Peter was an amazing guy. He, he was coming doing some walks with us on our office with a couple of the kids and we do a walk, we were doing walks on Monday and just picking up trash and looking, talking to each other and he was a part of that. He was so excited about some things God was doing in his life. I don't understand this. I don't understand the mind of God, why he allows and what he does and what he doesn't do. I need to have a, a growing understanding of who he is. I need to understand more and more that he has called me to be a follower of Jesus Christ and he's done it for his glory and because of his goodness. So that when I go to bed tonight and when I wake up tomorrow morning, I can go to bed and sleep in peace and I can wake up in the morning excited about the day, thankful for the day, because he has given me, he's made promises to me so that I can live, not just survive, but I can live a godly life in the world that he's put me. We tracking? Are you sleeping? We come to the final final words, the final paragraphs of this, this letter, we're in chapter three, what we have in our Bible is chapter three, verse 10, so we can all get to the same place. And last week, Pastor Matt, yeah, I know some of you know why that was a struggle for me, Pastor, Pastor Matt took the first part of this chapter and, and, and we studied it together of this, this day of the Lord, the, the plan that God has for this world. Can I just... Can I just make it, say it that way? The day of the Lord, the Lord's day, the, 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 the different terms we're given, the, the thousand year reign, we hear the word rapture, we hear tribulation, we hear these terms that describe the day of the Lord, the day, the time, which we don't know when it is, only he knows, but the time when God reveals or brings into being the plan that he has for this world includes every single human being that is alive, every human being that's ever lived or will live up, into, up to that moment. It's his day. And we, we discovered some things last week. If you were not here, go to the website and listen to that, to that message of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, because it really sets the table for his final words that he gives us. And, and if you were here at the beginning you remember that Peter starts his letter by saying, I'm not gonna be here long on earth, so these are my final words. These are the things I really wanna make sure you, you understand. And in chapter three, verse 10, he says, the day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord. 
You want to know what the but is there for? You've got to read verses 1 through 9. Go back and listen to that message. The day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And if we just pause for a second, his basic picture here is a, a, a thief, a burglar, we maybe use the term burglar, doesn't go or press the ring in today, you know, ding, 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 and you go, hi, can I help you? Yeah, my name, my name's Matt. <laughs> my name's Matt, sorry, I just... And I just wanted to let you know that um, Thursday, about 2 a.m., I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in through that window, you know, and if, if, if you could just kind of tell me where the valuables are, you know, and just kind of, maybe even the combination to your, your safe would be great. Just want to let you know that I'm going to be coming Thursday at 2 a.m. Okay, good talk. And, and you laugh, right? Because that's not how it works. The thief doesn't announce what it's, what he or she, the, the thief doesn't announce what they're going to steal when it's going to happen. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's not, it's not going to, he gives us information, he gives us things to watch for, but he says you don't get to know the, the day or the hour. It's going to be like a thief. And when that day happens, on that day, the heavens, everything that we know. I was up in the mountains this week, sorry, squirrel, and I was with somebody and we were up where there's no lights and they had an app on their phone. I don't know if you've noticed Jupiter. Jupiter is very visible right now. And they put their, yeah, they put their app on their, they put their phone up there, and it, all this stuff comes up, like the planets and all this stuff. And I'm looking up, and here's, here's, Ju, here's Jupiter, so bright. But it doesn't even have its own light source, right? It's just reflecting, the sun over here is reflecting over there, and they're like, woo, there it is. And how far away is that thing? That's the heavens. That's what we know in our existence as Earth and our solar system and the galaxies. Everything that we've discovered by these telescopes and different things. The heavens, what we know to be our universe, the universes are going to pass away. Literally, Peter uses a word that says they're going to cease to exist. They're not going to exist anymore. Is that crazy? No? Everything that we know, you realize time is based on that, right? Our days. Our, our seasons, our year, it's all based on, what are those things called, Master Pat? Orbits, thank you. That's why he's Master Pat. You know, the, the orbits and all these things. All that we know, is it's gonna, it's gonna cease to exist and it's gonna happen with a loud noise and the elements will burn. And it is the word for what we, we it's accurate to say, he's, he's thinking about the basic building blocks of, of everything that we know, the atoms. Anybody remember high school chemistry? periodic table of the elements, what everything's made of, everything's right down to the atoms. He's using a word that, that describes the very basic elements, the building blocks, the things, the atoms that are spinning and holding together will burn, they will be dissolved. Anybody freaked out yet? This is a big, this is a big moment, all part of God's plan. They will be dissolved, it literally means just to break into pieces. If you've ever studied the atom, it's such a mysterious, amazing thing of this, the, nucle, the nucleus, right? Protons, electrons spinning around, and, and, and by the way, you're made up of these. Right now, you have all these atoms just spinning crazy. That's happening. That's why you're hungry, because, you know, you're ready. No. This is what we're made out of. And he says that, that very glue that we don't totally understand, right? We have some basic under principles, but... Wow, how does that, that atom hold together? That carbon atom does what it does. He said it's all going to break apart. Everything that God has designed and put into place and created, it's going to break into pieces in this way. Since all these things are to be destroyed, everything that you know, the, the physical realm, the universe, our experience, 
Since it's all going to be destroyed, same word, broken into pieces in this way, listen to what Peter says. It really is clear. We might say today, he might say if he was here today, this is really compelling, folks. It's absolutely compelling what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for, fully expecting, and earnestly desiring, truly wanting it to happen soon, the coming of the day of the Lord. The heavens will be on fire and be dissolved because of it this day, and the elements will melt, break apart, become liquid with the heat that is part of this day. But based on his promise, you still listening to me? Okay, so hear God's voice this morning, not mine. Based on his promise, we wait. We expect the new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. Yeah. There's a lot there, isn't there? For the sake of time, let me just say three things that I want to encourage you to write down, record in your head, take a, write, put in your notes on your, your phone. This, this, is, this is compelling. Peter, I believe, is challenging us in three ways. First, he's, he's challenging us with this truth. We live by faith in the eternal, not the temporal. We live by faith. You saw on the back wall, right? We are here to make disciples, and we want to be disciples who make disciples, who live by faith, are known by love, and are a voice of hope in our world today. Faith, love, hope. Is that something we made up? No, that's something that's all over the pages of God's word. He wants us to live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews. We are to be known by love. Jesus said, this is how people will know you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. And it's Peter who said, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lives in you. We're to be voices of hope. And if we just be gut-wrenching honest, it has gotten harder and harder and more challenging and more difficult day after day, year by year, to be voices of hope. But the flip side of that coin is equally true. There's no, there's no more urgent need that I can see right now than that we find hope in Jesus Christ. And we proclaim that to people in our lives. That we are voices of hope in the midst of voices of anger and resentment and brokenness and, and tearing each other down and rejecting anything that has to do with a good God that has good plans for us. He's looking for disciples who will live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope. And here Peter says, let me remind you, everything that you know, everything that you've seen is beautiful. Everything that you understand is all going to be destroyed. Do not put your faith in temporal things, in physical things. Don't put your faith in this world. Don't put your faith in human things. It's all going to be destroyed. Put your faith in the eternal because we have a promise. Did you see it? But based on his promise, we wait with expectation. We live our lives by faith in the, intern, in the eternal. How many, don't, don't raise your hand. Raise your hand in your heart. Do you have a hand in your heart? You know what I mean? In your head? A little, it's a little tiny one. Just raise it in your heart. How many in the last couple of years have been disappointed in multiple areas of your life? Remember, it's in your heart, in your head. Economically, leadership, organizationally, institutionally, health, 
people in our lives, authorities in our lives, institutions in our lives, good things in our lives that we've depended on, looked to, we've been disappointed by them. And maybe we're guilty of putting our faith, not that those things are wrong, that's not the message, I don't think it's Peter's message, but maybe we are guilty of putting our faith in something other than God's eternal plan for us. Because it's a good plan, and it's gonna happen. We live by faith in the eternal, not the temporal. This world is not my home. We've written songs about this. And, you, and, and young people, look, you, you don't say this so much, it's the old people, right? This world is not my home. It just happens as you get older and older and your body does what it does. You realize, man, I hope this is not all there is. I hope there's more. I hope, you know, because it's going this way and God's promise is that it's gonna go this way. And it will. But not in this, not in this earth, not in this body. Praise God. Come on now, give me an amen there. Not in this body, but in the one that he has for me. Nothing in this life is going to escape the curse of sin. And each of us choose to either invest in the eternal or we invest in the temporal. Jesus said a little bit differently. He says you can't serve two masters. You gotta choose. And then you're gonna serve one of them. Tell him, tell him you'll talk later. Secondly, we're known by love when we reflect our Father. We become disciples who are known by love when we reflect this godliness that he keeps talking about. You've been getting everything you need to be godly people in the present day in which you live. And yet, how often do the people in our lives see everything else except godliness? You wanna, you wanna be known by love? Then just reflect your heavenly Father. He's given you everything you need to be godly. He's given me everything I need to be godly. I have, no, I have no, no excuses that I can make. Well, you don't know my wife. I love my wife. We'll talk later, Wes. You don't know my, my kids. You don't know my, you don't know my boss. You don't know my income, my finances. You don't know my health. You don't know whatever, put in the blank. And we make excuses. Meanwhile, God, the Spirit, and here Peter is saying, you wanna be known by love? You wanna live as a disciple in 2022? Then just reflect your heavenly Father. Say, I don't know my heavenly Father. Then get to know him. Because it comes through the knowledge of him, doesn't it? Get to know him. I hope that's why you're here this morning, that you'll learn something about him and who you are to him in our time together, or in the nine o'clock classes, or in the other groups, the home groups, the different times when we gather, or just opening up your Bible on a daily basis and just opening up and reading it and meditating and inviting God to show you who he is. You wanna, you wanna be known by love? Then get to know God and just reflect that. Give people what he gives you. Talk like him. You know what I mean by that? Right? Talk like him. Behave like him. React or respond like him. Not like us. We're known by love when we reflect our Father. We choose holiness and godliness, or we don't. And thirdly, we become voices of hope. Peter's reminding us, we become voices of hope when we're living for the day of the Lord. When you're living with expectation, he uses that several times. The word wait really means to expect. There, there's different kinds of waiting, right? No? There is. Waiting in line at Starbucks. You know, how, how many, how, don't, don't raise the little hand in your heart again, <laughs> but, you know, sorry. 
because I love Starbucks, I don't want to be, but how many of you take that first sip as you're driving away with a little bit of doubt that it's what you ordered? All right, let's raise our hands. Let's do it. Okay, I'm one, yeah. You know, or worse for me is Coke versus Diet Coke. McDonald's. McDonald's Coke is different than all other Coke. Would you, can I get an amen to that? It is. They have a different, I don't know what it is, but it is. It tastes different, right? And you, get, you drive away and you take that big sip of it and you, you know, and all, oh my, and it's happened more than once. You know, there's different kinds of waiting, right? There's the waiting of, uh, is this, if you're waiting for that guy to get down on one knee, <laughs> you know, that's one kind of waiting, right? I, I got to go, Becky and I got to go with um, one of our daughters and her husband and a couple of our grandkids to Universal Studios and we did the VIP thing, which was expensive. And we did this VIP thing, VIP thing where, you know what, there is no waiting. They take you into the, back, the exit of each ride, and in two hours we did all the rides, and we got to the, right? And I, I can never go to an amusement park again and wait for an hour and a half in line. <laughs> waiting, is, waiting is a wide measure of waiting. Peter says, when I talk about waiting, I'm talking about the, the kid, the child, if you open your presents on Christmas morning, the child that's up at 5 a.m., and when you come down for your coffee, they're sitting there, you know, at the, just waiting for the, you know, because they know what's going to happen, and they're so excited they want it to happen. Peter says, as you wait, in other words, as you live life, that he's coming. His plans are good. He's going to settle all things. There, there, are, there is a, a, a narrow path to salvation, to an eternal relationship with God. But there's also a wide road that many people are taking that don't know they're lost, and some are confused, and some are intentional. But the, all these people are going that way. And there's a price to be paid for rejecting God's offer of grace. And there's a day coming where it's too late. So I am so excited for this day to happen, and it's gonna be seen in how I live in my life, my words, my relationships, what I do with my money. It should be abundantly clear to other people that I'm living with anticipation of his return. And nothing matters more. You track it with me now? You hear Peter's heart? We become voices of hope when we live our lives in anticipation of his coming. Jesus said this, and this gospel, the good news of the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, we kind of go, ooh, the end's come. That's the day, right? That's exciting. But you missed the first part, didn't you? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. Who is responsible to preach the gospel in the whole world? Who's responsible to share the gospel with the person sitting next to you? Who's responsible to share the gospel with that guy across the street? The neighbor who keeps throwing the dog poop over the fence? Just saying. And my neighbors might be watching, so it's not you. Who's responsible to, to share the gospel, the love of Jesus, when those families come on our campus and we're dressed up in goofy clothes and our car, cars are a trunk or treat and people are coming and we're handing out candy? Who's responsible to share the love of Jesus with them? Coworkers? Fellow organizational leaders, board members? Spouse, kids, grandkids, all of them. Don't miss that. Jesus says this gospel of the kingdom is gonna be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Who's preaching the gospel? We are, if we are voices of hope. 
If we're living by faith, we're known by love, and we're voices of hope. And when that is accomplished, when the church, the followers of Jesus, have gone to every nation, we have preached the gospel, we've shared the love of Jesus, the Father will turn to the Son and say, go get your bride. And the day of the Lord will unfold. I love this quote. I'm gonna read this. I know my time is running out, but it's a guy named Jonathan Edwards. Some of you guys may know that name. He lived in the early 1700s. He died in 1758. He said this. What was that? 300, 300 years ago, more than 300 years ago, right? If I'm doing my math right, Master Pat? A little less? 2003? He was born, well, 300, yeah, 1703. Christ Jesus will, in a most magnificent manner, descend from heaven with all the holy angels. The man in Christ Jesus is now in the heaven of heavens. He has been there since his ascension being there enthroned in glory. But when the appointed time for the day of judgment shall have come, the day of the Lord, notice it will be given in those happy regions. Christ will descend. It'll, happen. It'll be announced in heaven is what he's saying. He talks funny, doesn't he? Because he's 300 years or whatever ago. Christ will descend to the earth attended with those, of glor- those glorious heavenly hosts in a most solemn and awful and glorious manner. Christ will thus descend into our air to such a distance from the surface of the earth that everyone, when all shall be gathered together, shall see him. And Christ will make his appearance suddenly like a thief in the night. And to the great surprise of the inhabitants of the earth, it is therefore compared to a cry at midnight by which men are awakened in a great surprise. This is not new, folks. This is not something that's new to the church, this promise that God made. But don't miss that almost 300 years later, the Holy Spirit is still asking you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, to live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope. So that the the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. Verse 14. We're coming to an end here. You still tracking with me? You hungry? Good, because we got lots of good stuff still. We'll be done by two o'clock, I promise. Verse 14, therefore. Don't we love that word? Okay, here's, okay. You clear where we get it? We started with but, the day of the Lord, and now he says, okay, you get this? Therefore, here's where the rubber meets the road. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait with anticipation, while you wait for these things, I want you to make every, every effort. The word he used in chapter one, verse five, make every effort to add to your faith. Now he's saying make every effort, same word, to be found at peace with him without spot or blemish. What is he saying? If you know somebody is coming, now can I pick on my parents one more time? I was of that generation that when I, when I messed up, I never did anything on purpose, I was a really good kid, but when I messed up by accident, my mom would tell me, anybody know, wait, Till you're, ooh, man. Wait till your father, I'll let you talk to him, he'll tell you his methods. Be found at peace with him. When my mom said that to me, I had no peace for the rest of the day. I just dreaded when, and I would go out and do things, fix things, clean things, do everything I thought, because man, he's coming, and there's a day of reckoning. What is Peter saying? He's saying, I want you to make every effort to be found at peace with him, without spot, without blemish. 
live your life as a follower of Jesus in alignment with God's word, with what he's given us to, to be and to do, because he's coming. This moment where we stand before him is coming. And if you're not right with him, or as Jesus warned us, if you're not right with your brother, don't try to get right with me. If we're not right with each other, if we're not at peace with each other, if we're not walking in obedience to him, you're not gonna have peace. You're either gonna dread that day coming or you're gonna push it out of your mind and live your life on your own terms. Be found at peace with him without spot or blemish, how you live your life. Also, keep in mind, regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation. I believe what he's saying there is he's, because he heard Jesus say that. The gospel is gonna be preached to the ends of the earth. He, that's who he, Jesus is, part of his audience is Peter. And Peter's saying, okay, you, you're, you're wondering what, why did this happen this week, what we've experienced? Why do things happen in our lives? Why is, he, why is God not doing something? Why are, things not being, why are things not getting better? Or you might just be saying, when is he gonna come? Peter said, if that's your thinking, then consider this. Interpret him not coming, understand his not coming, and that he's being patient. And as long as he doesn't come, it's an opportunity for people to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that the Father raised him from the dead. So church, get busy. Get busy. Stop being stressed out or stop, being compl stop complaining. Stop worrying about what is and isn't happening. If he's not here, then this is the opportunity for us to preach the gospel, to share the love of Jesus in every moment of our lives. And he'll come when he comes. It's all settled. It's all good. It's all perfect. Forgot where I'm at. I found it. He goes on to explain that Paul, the Apostle Paul, just as our dear brother Paul has also written to you about the wisdom given to him, these things. He speaks about these things in all his letters. And sometimes it's hard to understand. And the untaught, the ones that don't have a knowledge of God, an intimate relationship with God, they're able, they just twist them. The untaught and the unstable, those who are not walking with God or have a relationship with God, they twist around the things that Paul's teaching. And they do it to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of God's word, the rest of the scriptures, including Peter's, and they'll do it with my teaching. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, you know these events, you know what's gonna happen, and you know there's people that are gonna twist it and, and misinterpret it and use it for their own gain. Okay, you know these things now. Since you know this in advance, you know his coming is like a thief in the night, you know there's people that are gonna twist these, these promises. Be on your guard so that you're not led away, you're not literally carried away by the error of lawless people, people that do not, do not accept that they answer to God, people that say I can live life on my own terms, my own rules, my own, I make my own law because who knows what's best for me better than me. You, you tracking? You ever been there? We know people there, do we love them? I hope so, I hope we do. But there are people that are teaching these things. There are people that are twisting God's word, his promises, and you need to be on your guard and you need to make sure that you're not carried away by the error, the false teaching and false examples of these lawless people and fall from your own steadfastness, your own stability. But here's my last words to you. Grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, grow. 
What does it say right over here on this banner? It's grow time. Peter's saying it's time to grow. It's time to grow. Yes, all this is happening, and yes, here's the promise, and yes, this is what people are going to do. It's time to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now, in our day, in our time, and to the day of eternity. And all God's people said, amen. Let me throw these out to you. I've got one minute left. Here's what I take away from these last few verses, and I want to encourage you again to write them down, take note of them, take a picture of the screen. Number one, Peter's challenge is it's time to get serious about growing. It's time to get serious about growing. I, am a ter- I do not have a green thumb. I have a brown thumb that kills everything. Literally, I hit it with a hammer. I got a brown thumb. But I kill everything. You know why I kill everything? Because I don't take it serious. I get all excited. I see something at the nursery. I see a fruit tree. It's like, oh, man, this would be so cool, and I'd love to have pomegranates. And out I go, and I buy it, and I dig a hole, and I put it in there, and I plant it, and I forget to water it. I forget to weed it. I forget to do, I look, and then I look out my window with my cup of coffee and I lament, I wonder why that tree's not growing, man. Man, I love pomegranates. I'd love to have a pomegranate tree. I wonder why it's not growing. Peter says, get serious about your growth. It's more than just showing up on Sunday mornings. Okay, I want to I figure this out. I want to, you know, let's see what this stuff's about. I hope this, our gathering together challenges you, encourages you, and we, we're in community to do this together. But the one who is responsible for your growth is you. I can't be responsible for it. I will encourage you. I hope you'll encourage me. But you can't, you're not responsible for my growth, and I'm not for you. You are. It's not your responsibility to come over, show up at my house, and start watering my pomegranate tree and watering it. It'd be weird. It's like, what are you, what are you doing in my backyard, dude? Come on, man. Except unless you're Maluli. Do you, do you get his point? It, you got to take, if you want to grow, you got to take it seriously. There's things you got to do. I learned that from my wife. I watch her every day. She gives a long day of work and she's had 28 patients and <coughs> she's been on her feet all day and with kids that, you know, are, are, their bodies are struggling with disease and cancer and she's caring for them. And man, I can't imagine. And she comes up, you know what the first thing she does? Comes and gives me a big kiss. No. She goes out to the backyard and she begins to water all these plants. Just, you know what I think? <laughs> What's our water bill going to be this month? <laughs> because I don't take that growth seriously. You with me? There's an expense, there's time, there's investment. He says, get serious about growing. Make every effort. Move towards growth. Move towards peace and move towards spotless living and blameless godly living. Move away from godless people. Move away from lawlessness. Stop listening to people that are speaking lies into your life. Grow up. Be mature and listen to what they're saying. Well, I really like them. I like them better than you. That's fine. I don't, that's, that, that's, I don't care about that. But I do care if you're listening to somebody who is not teaching God's word. They're one of these lawless people that make it what they want it to be. You may need to stop listening. You may need to start doing other things. You may need to start reading your Bible. Move towards growth. Number two. Wow, that was a long three minutes. Identify, and I jumped the gun on this, but identify and eliminate the growth killers in your own life. Do you know what's killing growth or shrinking growth or hindering growth in your life? Do you? If you don't, start there. There's some weeding that needs to take place. There's some watering that, starts to, that needs to start taking place. You, you tracking with me? Get serious about your growth. 
Identify and eliminate the growth killers in your life. Peter says, be on your guard. Not everybody who says, thus saith the Lord, speaks for God. Number three, he says, grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Wow, what a priority. Can I just say it that way? Peter says, here's the key. Grow in your understanding of God's grace. Not legalism, not, not you know, uh, man's ideas, not the pharisaical that we, uh, ideas, and not religion, and not systems, and not all these things you gotta do. You need to understand greater and greater the depth of God's grace, what grace is. Because without grace, not one of us would be here. Not one of us would be recipients of his promises if it wasn't for his grace. If, you, if you're here this morning, and I love you, but I gotta say this. If you think you're here because you think you're in good with God because you deserve it or somehow you've earned it, I'm sorry, but I gotta tell you, brother, tell you, sister, whatever good you have from God, the promises that you're enjoying is because of his grace. It's his grace. And if you don't get that, then grow in the knowledge of God. Grow in the knowledge of who he is, and they're inseparable. Who God is in his grace, his, his traits, his characters, are, that's who he is. And Peter says, if, here, here's... You know, Kurt, I wanna, you wanna grow pomegranates. Yeah, so I gotta do some specific things. God says, I want you to grow in grace. His, his spokesperson, Peter, says, I want you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Second Timothy chapter two. Paul is speaking to one of his mentees, a, a younger man named Timothy, and he says this. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to other reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach other people. There's growth in, in a community. Do you see it? It's why we're here today because this process has been happening. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Is it easy to be a soldier on the front lines in, in war and battle? No, it's anything but. We wanna run away from, many of us would wanna run away from that. But Paul says, this is what it looks like to grow. You endure the, the challenges, the hardship of being a soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. They focus on being a soldier. The soldier wants to please his commanding officer. What are your orders? I'm ready to fulfill them. And in the same way, if somebody competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown, he doesn't win, he doesn't rise to the top, unless he competes according to the rules. There's a reference to the godliness and living by God's rules. The hardworking farmer, one more picture, he says, Timothy, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. The farmer receives a harvest, experiences a harvest when he's a hardworking farmer, serious about the growth of his crop, right? If we're a lazy farmer, eh, we'll see what happens. You know what that does to the harvest, right? It's time to grow. It's time to grow. And in the next few minutes that are before us, I wanna encourage you to, to hear God's voice in what we've talked about this morning. Because God's ready to produce fruit in you and me. But we've gotta, we've gotta, we've gotta take these things seriously. Therefore, we gotta take these things seriously. And as we sing, as we worship, as we bring our lives before him, God's not done speaking. He's gonna speak in these moments as we sing and as, we, as one voice, we begin to worship him and, and, and sing about who he is and who we are to him.
God is ready to continue speaking to you and give you clear direction on how you can take growth in your life, growth in my life seriously. He is a God of the harvest. He is the God of fruit, and he wants to produce much fruit in us that we would bring glory to our Father. So let's pay attention to his voice as we worship this morning, please.